welcome to the Milestones, Motivation, and Money podcast, a weekly conversation filled with stories of business, financial literacy, careers, leadership, and resilience. Setting and achieving goals is key, whether they are related to your finances, business, or career. I hope to empower you with these conversations no matter where you are in life. I'm your host, Angel Radcliffe, and on this show, get ready to change your mindset and start your journey to achieve your lifelong goals. So if you need a little motivation to start your day or jumpstart your next project, tune in and be sure to join our community online at milestonesmotivationandmoney.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to the podcast. On today's show, we're chatting about chaos in your business. And many times that chaos is related to the financials because so many people fail to take that first step in understanding what their budget, their finances, and then they go on to start a business and, oh gosh, it just blows up and derails so many businesses. When we think about those statistics, there are more than 60% of businesses that fail in the first two years due to poor financial management. And one of the reasons I work with consumers and entrepreneurs is so they can understand the foundational aspect of finances on the consumer standpoint. And then if they want to go and start a business, you got everything down. Today, we're going to be chatting with a fractional CFO, Dorothy Kolb. She has spent the last 20 years of her career in media and finance. She has worked for some amazing companies, including CBS Sports, Fox Sports, NBC, HGTV. And then she founded her own company, which is DK East Associates. Dorothy is going to chat with us about being a fractional CFO, understanding those ups and downs in your business, the chaotic times as it relates to finances. And then for many of you who work in accounting or finance, if you're thinking about moving towards entrepreneurship, she's going to give us some tips on that as well. So let's go ahead and welcome Dorothy to the show. Thanks so much, Angel. Appreciate it. I'm so happy to have you on as a guest and discussing entrepreneurship and your journey because so many people want to be an entrepreneur, especially now and in these last 18 months. So many people are like, hmm, maybe I should start a business. <laughs> I'm happy to have you on and have you discuss all of the things that have brought you into this particular uh, field. But how about you go ahead and give us some background and details on you? Of course. Well, actually, I was not someone who had aspired to be an entrepreneur early on. I had a long corporate career in entertainment and broadcasting. And and the last job that I had, I was the CFO of a sports company, sports leagues company, and they were downsizing and they decided that they were going to downsize the CFO role which of course as the CFO I saw coming, but still it's never never a fun time and it hit pretty much exactly when I was getting divorced and finding myself as a single mother of four. And I was, this was back in 2016. And I, I was kind of forced into finding a way to make it all work. I did not want to go back to working, you know, in a corporate environment where I left the house at seven o'clock in the morning, I came home at seven or eight o'clock at night. The last CFO job I had was virtual they were way ahead of their time and were virtual for about 20 years. And so I had the luxury of being home when my kids got home from school and being able to take them to, to school in the morning or 
sports practices or whatever. And when I found myself, you know, without a job and single, I realized that I needed something that was going to still keep me, you know, local and present. And my kids were just starting to be teenagers. And I honestly feel that teenagers need you more present than a toddler. So I started really as, um, as a bookkeeper, believe it or not. And my first client I did bookkeeping for, and my second client, I was more of a controller and, you know, able to do higher level accounting and all, but it was really piecing things together, you know, getting jobs off Upwork and part-time. The second one was a part-time job off LinkedIn and just finding a way to make that pay the bills. And what I realized was that I actually really enjoyed having my own, you know, business and being able to control who I worked with and who I didn't work with. And I focused um, almost prime almost entirely on women-owned businesses. And it's been just a fantastic transition. The last five years, I've gone from having zero in the bank and no financial support to I'm mid six figures business now. And to me, that's just like amazing. Plus being able to be home and present for my kids has just been great. Yes, absolutely amazing. And I definitely can resonate with understanding you know, doing what you want, when you want to do it, choosing who you want to work with, who's your client. Oh my gosh, that's the best feeling in the world. And so just having the ability to say, no, you don't want to work with someone. Yes. <laughs> so you're a fractional CFO and for people who are listening, some people may not be familiar with that term. So what exactly does that entail? And how is that different from an accountant? Great question. I, and I love this one. I have graphics for it on, on Instagram. So I like to compare it to the, the bookkeeper, your CPA or your tax preparer and a CFO, right? So the bookkeeper does the transactional work, does your accounts receivable, does your accounts payable, make sure things get paid and all and, and recorded in your, your accounting software, your CPA or your tax accountant, make sure that your taxes are filed on time that you're doing things to mitigate how much your liability will be each year and that you're staying in compliance with all that. And the gap you know, that's left is who's going to help me with my strategy? Who's going to let me know if I'm planning my cash properly, if I am heading towards you know, something horrible, if my, you know, this product or this service is making me money. And that's where a CFO comes in. And normally at a CFO in a big business has a you know, big salary and all that. And so small businesses can take advantage of a CFO's skill set in that strategy and forecasting and planning by kind of buying them on a fractional basis. So on a very part-time basis. So you might only need those kind of services for a few hours a month. You don't need someone full-time. And so you're able to get that skill set for a few hours a month at a rate that you can actually afford. And you're still getting that, you know, that background and that experience and expertise in your business at a rate that, that, you know, makes sense for where you are at that point in time. And if I'm doing my job really, really well, I actually make myself obsolete because I can help a, a business get to the point where they might be able to bring someone on in a more full-time role because they're doing that much better. And so that's, you know, that's where I love to 
be the most is coming in when someone is just realizing that they they need a little bit more than their CPA or their bookkeeper is giving them. And they might even be a little bit frustrated that neither one of those people are filling that gap for them. And then I can come in and, and help them get to that next level that they're looking at. Now, with the businesses that you work with, do you have a limit? Are you only working with small companies? Are you working with the larger companies? I usually work with companies that are just heading up to like maybe right around a million dollars a year in revenue to about, you know, six, seven, eight million dollars a year in revenue. That's usually where they realize that they can afford someone to some extent, you know, even on a fractional basis. They realize that they are in a place now where they really need to be strategic with their funds. They might even be looking at, you know, having investors come in or they might be looking at at, at lenders for lines of credit and they don't quite know how to tackle that. So that's where, you know, at that point is usually where I am most beneficial and, you know, they get the most value out of bringing me on. Now, Dorothy, I know the importance of finances in your business, but for those who are listening, who are aspiring to start a business or who are already maybe full-fledged into entrepreneurship, why would they need to track their finances? Give us five top reasons. Oh my goodness. I could give you 30. You know, if you don't know your numbers, and when I say know your numbers, that's anything from your customer acquisition costs to how much you're spending and operating, you know, costs each month for your rent and your advertising and things like that, to how much you're spending in your direct costs related to your product or your service. And getting that understanding is part of knowing your finances and knowing your numbers. And it gives you control over the direction your company is going, number one. Number two, understanding how the cash flows in and out of your business allows you to make strategic decisions as to, you know, do I want to pay this bill now? Well, maybe not because I have payroll coming up tomorrow. Or do I want to collect this account receivable earlier? Do I want to really push on it and see if I can get it earlier because I need that money to make this purchase next week? It's understanding how starting or stopping a revenue stream is going to impact your bottom line. It's understanding how and when to hire your next person or if you should. And it's understanding the difference between an employee and a contractor and how that will impact whether or not you're complying with your you know, employment laws. So it spans a lot of areas. And really, I mean, you don't have to necessarily know every debit and credit, but you really need to understand every dollar that's coming in, where it's being spent, where it's being saved, what you're saving for down the road and making sure that you understand how that's impacting your cash reserves so that you have reserves for things like, oh, I don't know, a pandemic that might happen that will throw you off course. Yes. And, you know, so many people want to be a business owner and they fail to take the first step to understand business fundamentals, legitimizing their business, business financials. And you just gave us those reasons. And my motto when I'm working with entrepreneurs and I'm working with consumers who are wanting to be an entrepreneur, I'm always telling them, if you don't understand your personal finances, how can you manage that for a business? And then how can you grow and scale? It's so important. And I, you know, it just, it blows my mind how many people have really uh, failed to hire someone or really take the time to understand it themselves. So what is more of some actionable steps that someone can take 
if they're looking to hire someone to help them with finances in their business? Well, you know, it's interesting. I think so many of us, especially women, come out of corporate, you know, their corporate jobs and and they think that they need to know how to do everything. And they are really passionate about the thing that they're, you know, whatever it is that they're going into business for, that's their, you know, what they want to be doing with their time. And they, they look at finance and accounting like, oh God, that's the, I just, that if I ignore it, maybe it'll go away. And we, they also very often think if they don't understand it themselves, that that's like, like a weakness, you know, it's a, it's something that they're lacking instead of looking at it as a great opportunity to bring someone on board whose passion might be finance and accounting, as weird as that sounds to so many people, but having, you know, once you've come to the decision that you need to bring someone on board, and again, bringing someone on board is not a weakness. It's actually a strength, a sign of a strength that you understand how important this is to your business. And it's really, you know, every, a lot, not everyone, but so many finance and accounting people have the technical skills, right? They know what to debit, not what to credit. They know what expenses go where, what a cost of goods sold are. They can categorize things. So you know, the technical skill part of it is, is assumed, you know, with, with almost everyone that you're going to come across, it's really clicking with that person's personality. You know, how much do they, do they push you to make a decision or do they not push you at all? Or do they come to the table and say, here are my recommendations, or do they come to the table and say, you need to do X, Y, and Z, or, I don't know, you know, you could try this or that, you know, you don't want someone super wishy-washy. You don't want someone who's going to try to take over your business because it is your business. So you want somebody whose personality works really well with you, who you can play off really well, who has your back, who's looking out for your business from a, you know, a, a finance and compliance standpoint, but who you can talk to and you're comfortable with, because this really needs to be a trusted advisor and if you don't have trust, there's no relationship there, like any relationship, right? If there's no trust, there's no relationship. So you really want somebody who you feel good talking to, who you feel good letting them know the things that are not going well, and you don't feel judged for that, but who's also going to guide you in a, in a you know, kind of not a firm way, in a bad way, but in a firm way, because that's why you're bringing them on board. Awesome. And your core messaging is letting people know that they can leave corporate and become an entrepreneur. That sounds so scary when you think about it. So I know that there's steps and you have to prepare. So for people who are listening and they're waiting to take that jump, how can they build up that courage and that resilience to get started and put their foot out there to start something on their own? You know, this is, it's really interesting because I've talked to a lot of men and I've talked to a lot of women and, you know, they say that when, when men go, and I don't want to make this a whole women, men thing, but when men go to, you know, a venture capitalist or, you know, the, an investor with an idea, they just go with it. Like, here's my idea. You know, I, I want to do this where women tend to won't go that extra step until they feel like they have every single step nailed down, plan A, plan B, plan Z, all of it done. And you don't necessarily need to do that. You need to have your plans in place to know that, you know, this is what I want to do. This is how I need to form my business. But getting that analysis paralysis is really exactly that, a paralysis. You really need to just, you know, take the step. Done is better than perfect. 
you know, unless you're a doctor and you're actually saving lives, everything is correctable as you go along. But if you don't take the first step and just go, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to sell my first item. I am going to get my first client and sell my ser- that first service. And if it doesn't work, you know, great the first time, you know what to do for the second time. It's, it's an iterative process, right? So you can look at it and say, all right, I wasn't really, that didn't feel really great to me how I did that. So next client, I'm going to, you know, find out what feels better to me to do, but just taking the step at all, even as a side hustle is so important rather than just waiting and waiting and waiting until the perfect moment or the perfect, you know, plan has come into place and whatever. It's just really, I mean, look, I, I went out there as a single mom divorced. I had $2,000 in the bank total, all my money. That's it. And of course, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. I just had to go out and do it. But if I had waited and waited or thought, let me go get another corporate job and put this, you know, personal, like, you know, doing my own thing on the back burner until I am ready, I wouldn't be where I am today. And that would be, you know, just, it would be a travesty, quite frankly. So I want to get down to the details because I always tell people, you know, don't make like rash decisions, make sure you plan things out. But then of course, life sometimes happens. And if we look at last year, so many people lost their jobs and then people took that opportunity to take a chance. But for someone who, let's say they're in their corporate job, they're making very decent money. What should they be looking for from a numbers perspective before they step out? Should they already be having a certain number of sales? Should their business revenue replace their income from their job? What's that number one sign that that would say, hmm, from a financial perspective that would let them know that they're ready? Yeah, you know, I think part of it is, it's kind of a a couple of different parts. One is having the cash reserve in place. You know, six months of your regular expenses in the bank is, would be great, right? If that, that, that would be the ideal thing. So if you left your job and you didn't have a single sale, you would have enough to sustain yourself for six months. But, you know, if it depends if you're, if you're, if you have a partner, you know, like a life partner and they have income coming in, you're just looking to replace what, what is the gap between what you left and what your combined income is. I like to start with the side hustle. I even started with somewhat of a side hustle when I, you know, this, when I did this, the fractional CFO work, I was doing projects every once in a while. So I knew there was a market out there for me. So, you know, getting, I, you know, of course, don't just quit your job. You know, if you get fired or or laid off or whatever, then you don't have a choice, but don't just quit your job and go, I'm going to do this. You know, start with the side hustle and start to replace your income to the point where, you can pay all your bills, pay all the, the business's expenses, and you know, then start to step away from your, your corporate job. There isn't necessarily a dollar amount, but there's a point where you have enough coming in from the business to cover your normal, regular expenses, personal and business, that you can step away from you know, your regular corporate kind of funding, if you will. Awesome. So for those people who are listening, who have that accounting background, and maybe they're thinking of a way to ease into entrepreneurship, and maybe a light bulb went off and they're like, hmm, fractional CFO. What's some advice that you can give to someone who'd like to take that path, either in their career or starting a business? 
Well, the best thing to do, what I found was to reach out to your existing network and start letting them know that this is something that you're starting to do. I, that's, I mean, it's exactly what I did once I, once I got that first, you know, bookkeeping, bookkeeping job or whatever, I, you know, the next, the next step I made after that was reaching out to my network because at that point, you know, they either know someone who has a business that they're looking for fractional CFO work, or they are themselves because they've left their corporate job. And it's not a matter of saying, hey, if you think of anybody, it's who do you know who needs these services right now? This is what I'm starting to do. And I'd really like to, you know, get into it full time. And, and you know, what, how, how, who do you know that, that, that needs me right now? And I will tell you the biggest, you know, light bulb that went off in my head is, you know, we always talk about you need a village, right? We need a village to, for everything in life, not just, you know, to raise your children or your family. What I found was that my village was actually my existing clients, those first couple that I had, and then a few like really key people in my network that actually came to me and said, what can I do to help you? I see what you're doing. You are doing a fantastic job just starting this off. What can I do to help? Who can I send your way? And then once you know, the network starts hearing that you're, you're doing this. And if you have, you know, a, a great background or skill set, or, you know, the, the people that you've worked with are like, oh, wow, she's really great. Or he's really great. They're going to say, Hey, this person's fantastic. You need to start, you need to reach out to them and work with her or him. And so, you know, just reaching out to your, your, if it's, former bosses or former coworkers or former classmates or former, you know, people that you've met, you know, going to webinars or seminars or whatever. It's just a fantastic resource that we forget to just, you know, we always were on LinkedIn and we're like, yeah, yeah, that's a great thing that that person, you know, posts that they put or update that they put. And then you, you forget, oh, wait, they, they know me. They might have people that will actually work with me. And then the other thing really, that really helped me a lot was joining communities, entrepreneur communities, consultant communities. I have found that, especially with women, that women, once we've come out of corporate and we're not so cutthroat and trying to get to the same small number of, of chairs at the, at the table, we are so incredibly supportive and collaborative that you know, communities like Dreamers and Doers or Female Founder Collective or The Upside, the ones that I've belonged to, that they, it's, you know, they start saying, Hey, yeah, Dorothy, actually, I know someone or I know, and you start referring things back and forth to each other and it just grows. And that has been like so much source of, of new business for me that it's, it's just been incredible. Oh yes. Building the network outside of corporate for your business. That is probably one of the best things that you can do for yourself. So starting a business, but, but you have people who are sort of like-minded, but you're not all after the same thing. So it makes it so much better than building yes. a corporate network. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And it's just, you know, when I left corporate, I thought, oh, I don't want to work with a bunch of women because they're so cutthroat. And I had been competing with them for so long. But when I got out there and they were all entrepreneurs also, we're like, we're not all looking for the same thing. We can help each other now. Right. <laughs> it's, been, it's great. You have to work together as an entrepreneur and really helping to promote other people and building that network. And someone may come across an opportunity that's great for you and not so great for them. And they're willing to share. So 
definitely have to do that. But Dorothy, I want to get you thinking back to your first year in business, because when we do that self-reflection, it's so critical in our growth. So thinking back to that first year, what business advice would you give yourself as a first-year entrepreneur? It's going to be scary, and that's okay. And it will feel strange, and that's also okay. And you should not be afraid to reach out to others for help. And just like as we had just just were just talking about, we we feel like you know coming out of corporate that we're competitive with others for the same thing, and we're not. When you when when you're an entrepreneur, yes, there's there are things that we're all you know competing for in some way, shape, or form, but making connections early on will save you a lot of time. Number one will make you feel so supported in your journey in a way that you were not probably in your corporate life. And just finding that support and collaboration will continue to fuel your fire in being an entrepreneur. And because it is scary. There are times where you're like, why did I do this? I should, I know I was in the first few years, maybe I'll just go back and get another job. This is, this is too hard. And then you have somebody who is supportive of you and know you're doing the right thing. And here's how, you know, I can help you. And then you're kind of, you know, the energy you're re-energized and you come back to it and it, and it's just so much better. And so that's my biggest, biggest piece of advice is to find that, that community and that support because you're, you will need it and you'll grow and you'll help someone else grow along at the same time. Awesome. And Dorothy, I have to ask you this question. So, you know, I'm a financial educator and I'm always about budgeting and using that as the foundation for everything, even before you're starting a business. But one of my brands is called Ballin' on a Budget. And I would like to ask you from your perspective, when you hear that term, what does Ballin' on a Budget mean to you? Reminds me of you know, back when I was working in television and they, they, you know, budgets were cut all the time and it was always do less with more and less with more and then less with less. And it was just super confusing. And it was, how do we get the best, best product out there with the least amount of money and still make it look like we spent a bunch of money on it? And so to me, that means kicking butt and being out there in your fullest form while doing it in a very, you know, behind the scenes, responsibly, you know, financially responsible way. That's fair. (laughs) (laughs) That is fair. I'd love to hear the responses. So yes, I ask that question at the end of every episode. And as we're nearing the end, do you have any last words for the listeners today? I would say, you know, budget, budget, budget is always smart, but at the same time, you know, don't get that analysis paralysis where you're never starting. Start small, start something. If you're passionate about it, you will make it work. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Be sure to leave us a review and let us know any ideas you have for a future show topic. And if you really want to show us some love, share this episode with a friend and be sure to join our community online, milestonesmotivationandmoney.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Milestones Motivation and Money. Tune in next time.